Welcome to Uncharted Careers. I'm Courtney Hartman, and I talk with guests each week about their career paths to give listeners an insider look into different industries, how folks have made decisions in their careers, and we'll explore what each guest has learned along the way. I'm on a mission to share knowledge that is only learned in the field outside of a classroom. Join me to find inspiration for your own career. Well, thank you so much again for joining me, Melissa. This is a really special episode of Uncharted Careers. I have my first repeat guest, um, Melissa and Alan. Her husband had joined me previously and talked about how they founded Pretty Easy Podcast together um, and how they got there and the decisions that they made along the way. But I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into how she came up with this idea, what steps she took while she was building the business, how they um, cultivate new clients and existing relationships. So this is going to be a deeper dive into how to build a business, kind of a how to build a business 101. So thanks for joining me again, Melissa. Thank you for having me. Of course, you're welcome anytime. (laughs) So let's start off by talking more about what Pretty Easy Podcast is, your company, and what you and Alan do. Yeah, absolutely. So we are a full-service remote podcast production company, and we provide all podcasting services for our clients, whether that be sitting in on the recordings, editing, producing, publishing, um, creating the tools so our clients can promote on social media. So that entails audiograms, those visuals with the little bars, the audio waves, and all that jazz. And Right off the bat, I'm just going to – something that differentiates us is that we are a very mom and pop business, not yet mother and father, but (laughs) husband husband and wife. And we pride ourselves on being like very accessible to our clients and our hosts and the shows that we work on. Mm -hmm. And the shows that you work on, tell me more about those. Who are the folks that are deciding to start podcasts that would be interested in your services? That's a great question. So I like to say if you like to talk is number one. If you're comfortable (laughs) talking, that's a great way to start. But it's really anyone. We work with individuals. We work with businesses. We work with nonprofits, magazine companies, media companies, anyone who wants to utilize another platform to get their message out there Mm -hmm. in another world. So podcasting is very interesting because let's say you listen to a podcast that comes out once a week, 52 weeks a year, you have those hosts in your ears as your, you know, your friends or it it's another level of media and marketing. And it's very interesting. And yeah, we like being a part of it. Yeah, I know. I feel the same way too. When I listen to podcasts regularly, I definitely feel like I have this sort of parasocial relationship with them and that I know them and become really close with them. So for you to have both that side of the relationship and then also the personal one where you're helping them actually put out the podcast. I'm sure you have a really unique and special relationship with all of your clients. Yeah, that's actually a great point that I think we'll dive into deeper. Um, We are very close with our clients. We I don't it's weird even to say the word client. We call them like our shows. We're not a network, Mm -hmm. so we don't own any of our shows, but we really care. Like we want all of our shows to succeed. We want them to do the best that they can. We want them to have longevity and, you know, be continuous and just keep it up because they're doing it for a reason. They started because they like it. 
I mean, we have some who's we have some who start because, you know, their company makes them do the show, but then they <laughs> love it because they get comfortable and it's a podcaster's high, you know, when you talk in the microphone. Yeah, no, I can definitely attest to that. I always leave a podcast recording with in just such a good mood. You talked about how you're not a network. Can you tell me the reasoning behind that and the pros of uh, somebody working with you over joining a network? So it's a great question that I am definitely going to have to do a little more research on. Um, there are big companies that are networks. So I think what that means is they own the show. Mm-hmm. They own it. They might sell ads for it and they'll profit off those ads. And I think they would pay their hosts as like a an occupate, like a job. Mm-hmm. We don't do that. Our hosts are fully own 100% of their show. They, if they do get ads, they find them on their own. We, of course, help them with like the audio and the engineering of those ads. But we're not a network. It's something that may be a goal in the future. And from my research, I've heard that there are so many different types of deals when you do join a network. I mean, one of the most public ones was that Call Her Daddy was a part of Barstool Sports, their network, and they were just paid a salary of 70K per year, um, each girl, and they weren't making any money on the ads or the merchandising. And that's how they got into those major negotiations. And then I've also heard that there are other types of deals where you split the ad revenue, maybe 70-30, where the network takes 30 and the host takes home 70. I think that's even, you know, on the more generous end when it comes to a network. Like you're if you're able to monetize the podcast, you're definitely not making that full revenue when you are under a network. Definitely. And I think just the fact that podcasting, it has been around for a while, but it is still such a new media mm-hmm. that I don't think there are any rules and I don't, yeah, yeah, I would never, we're not in the practice to like take advantage of people. We are Mm -hmm. so fair. And that's another reason. Like, I don't want to say it's too complicated because of course you can learn and research anything, but it might be something down the line because like proudly I'll say we've worked on over 85 shows. Wow. And yeah, it's a lot and it Mm -hmm. feels really good. I have to add more to our website. You just reminded me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um, yeah, so not continue like over the span of, I guess, four and a half years. So it's been good. Yeah. Well, talk to me more about how you came up with the idea for Pretty Easy Podcast and how you and Alan decided, okay, this is the time to create this business together and we're going to go all in. Yeah. Great question. So growing up, in my later life, I guess after college, I always said I wanted to own my own business, be my own boss. But I always said like with a partner, I always, Mm -hmm. I never wanted to do it fully myself just because I think you, you can be, you can't do everything. You know, you have to delegate, you have to, it's important. I've learned that. So I've always had that initiative, but I didn't know what the business would be. I thought it'd be like a food product or something like that. I didn't know I'd be like in the service industry. Mm-hmm. And I'm really lucky that I work with Alan, my husband, and he's my business par- partner, fully equal. And I was really able to utilize my skill set and then matched with his skill set. That's how this was born. But it really was born because... He has a background in radio. He was on the air doing production, both sides of it, for, my God, 15 years or so. 
and maybe 20 now. And he was podcasting on the side. And it actually came to be because I saw one of my old friends on Instagram posted that they needed podcast help. And so I just DM them right away. And I said, oh my God, like, I don't even, I could, I actually should look back at what I said, (laughs) but I said some, and they were actually looking for a friend. So Mm -hmm. I said, Hey, like my husband and I, we, I don't know if we, we didn't, I don't even think we had a name at that point. Yeah. I was like, we have, we produce, we help people with their podcasts. Like if you want to set up a call, we'd love to, you know, help. Four and a half years later, they're still our client and yeah, they're incredible. And that's how it grew. And it was really organic from there from then on. Yeah, that's awesome. So once you got that first client, what did you do to make this into a business? Mm -hmm. Okay. So we started slow. We started organically. Mm -hmm. We got this one client. He was, um, I'm trying to think if he was working. Yeah, he was working at the time. Yeah, we were in Louisiana. He had it. He was a manager or operations manager of like six stations and his own show. I was doing a food business and we slowly just started accumulating clients based on word of mouth. Um, And that's how it kept growing. And I didn't put, I still to this day have not put one dime into an Instagram ad, a Facebook ad. Mm -hmm. I actually tried doing it once, but I don't think it ever posted. And I just was like, (laughs) okay, I guess that's not working. (laughs) I've done. (laughs) And so I... Yeah, it's all been word of mouth and then also some Google business SEO, which we can talk about. Yeah, talk to me more (laughs) about your branding and your website. How did you – well, first of all, how did you come up with the name Pretty Easy Podcast? Okay, I have to think about this. But I think I wanted something like really catchy and cheesy. So Mm. initially I wanted it to be – and we were Googling one night, I remember, and I was like – making logos. I was like, how could I make this fun? A microphone? You know, what do you think of when you think of podcasting? So I, we were like pretty easy podcast. And I have to think more how it came up. But initially I wanted it to be pretty easy podcast, put a little pep in your podcast. But I I never, I know. And I never really went with it, but that was the, that was the uh, initial thought behind it. Pep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yeah, yeah, that's it. How did you start building the website and the branding and the collateral and all of that? Yeah. So the website, we use Squarespace and Mm -hmm. I did the whole, I think Alan started doing it and then I just immediately took over because he's not, he thinks he's great at, you know, design, but (laughs) I just, we we did work on it together because he's very good at um, verbiage and explaining. So mm-hmm. I think he wrote out everything. Like I would make an outline with bullet points and I was like, fill this in. Okay. So then he would do that and then I would edit it. So it was like back and forth for the content of the website. Um, I still need to update it. But then I just managed the website myself. Mm-hmm. And one day I added a chat feature, which I was really excited about that I linked to like our Facebook um, chat function, Messenger. So people oh. can do a live chat on the website. Which, which I think I had to pay like $80 more on Squarespace to bump up to some professional level. Okay. But it's worth it because I think I've gotten two two clients from that. Oh, wow. <laughs> so That's made, awesome. Yeah. I was, I'm 
So it's still in existence. And, you know, if it, someone wants to chat immediately, that immediate gratification world we live in, I'm, I'm all for it. So is that native to Squarespace? You basically upgrade your plan and then you can um, attach your Facebook and then, you know, it's all automated from there? Yeah, I, I, I really Googled it and was following, you know, a step by step on the YouTube video I was watching. But mm-hmm. you have to like copy and paste this code that you then embed into the Squarespace. Uh, okay. And then it's through, you have to make sure you have the messenger. The reason I did this, and I know he's not going to listen, but my father-in-law, <laughs> he's in real estate and he was paying someone to um, create this for him. Like mm-hmm. he wanted this messenger feature and I'm sitting there like overhearing him on this call. And I was like, I can do this myself. Like I need to figure this out. So yeah. I just did it one day and I was really proud of myself. I don't even think I told <laughs> That's such a good tip, though, because I mean, I'm in sales and, you know, the first thing anybody in sales will tell you is time kills deals. So you want to get to those clients that are reaching out to you as quickly as possible, because if you don't answer, the next person that they reach out to is going to answer. I've honestly never. It's so true what you just said. And I don't think about that because I don't have any professional sales skills, but I just know that's true. Like I want I don't. Eat like Alan today, like a client emailed us asking for our Calendly link. And I know he's not going to go somewhere else, but Alan was on another call and I knew he wasn't going to answer right away, even though he said, Hey, Alan, like it was addressed to Alan. I was CC'd. But of course, I'm going to answer right away because, like, I want him to get that information as soon as he can. Yeah, for I, sure. Will we answer honestly? It's this is something else though, because I have like a very corporate background and Alan worked in radio. But I feel weird emailing people late at night. And I'm curious what you think. He'll he'll send emails at like one in the morning, two in the morning, automated them. And I'm just like, he's like, it's email. It's not text. It doesn't matter. I just think it's so weird. What do you think of that? I think it really depends on the voice of the company and what you're trying to portray. I mean, if you want to show that you're hustlers and you're working all hours of the night, I think there's benefit to that. I also think that there's benefit to having boundaries and only emailing within certain professional hours if Mm -hmm. you maybe don't want to receive an email at 1 a.m., which if you don't want to receive an email at 1 a.m., don't send one at 1 a.m. It would be my recommendation. That's true. I mean, they're not stressful emails. They're not nothing of urgency. It's mostly like, here's your show or here are your edits. Mm-hmm. But it still like makes them think, oh, I have to do this. You know, I get it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I've definitely used the email tool before where you can time the sending of the email. So if I'm working on something late at night, then I'll time it to send out at 8 a.m. or something like that. Kind of for right. that reason, because I really don't want them emailing me at midnight and having any sort of expectations of a response that is going to be prompt. So I don't necessarily want to be sending one. And if it's my own business, it might be a little different. I fully agree. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I really like that you talked a lot about Squarespace. And I know you also use Canva. Can you tell me more about what you use to create on there? Yeah, so Canva is a great tool. I believe it's an Australian-based company. And I pay for the pro service pro ser- I don't know what it's called. Yeah, I think it's something like ten, twelve dollars a month. It's twelve. I think it's twelve ninety nine. Okay. But anyways, um I started it because my father, my seventy three year old father, was using Canva to try to make these YouTube thumbnails. Right. And I yeah, and I saw it and I was like, wait, dad, this is 
this is so easy. Like all my skills of PowerPoint growing up, mm-hmm. like just basic knowledge of a computer. They really made it so I, I'm I'm sorry if this is I just think it's very simple to use, yeah. very simple to figure out. And if you don't know something, they have a help feature. You can Google it. But yeah, I love it. I'm also I am a creative mind. So I like, you know, images and colors. So I use it for, so my dad was using it and then I took over his subscription and now I pay for it. But I use it for social media posts. If you want to make, you could make reels in it. You can have templates in it. You can schedule your posts. So like you could, if you're having a great brain day one day, you could make like, you know, the whole month's worth of content in one sitting if you can when I'm having creative days and you just schedule them out and you like you schedule them if you want to put them on LinkedIn or just Instagram or wherever and then you write oh yeah and then you write a little blurb about it make sure you put all your hashtags and then it'll just schedule out in you know 9 30 on a Tuesday and oh fun fact about Canva (laughs) we can we can cut this out if it's not appropriate but I had emailed them because there's a when you look at your calendar there's a drop down of it's like U.S. holidays and then like other holidays mm-hmm. and you can customize it so you can like remove certain holidays if you want. Mm-hmm. So I was like, there are no Jewish holidays. So I emailed them and I was like, hey, I was just wondering, like, do you have a, an, an addition that you can put like other religious holidays? Yeah. And they didn't have that. And I was so upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's nice to know that they're answering their customer service and listening. Oh. Oh, yeah. No, they're great. But it, mm-hmm. I was just yeah. So because my point is you can you know, there's all these like duh, sorry, dumb national holidays now, a national cookie day, national tissue day, you know? Yeah. So you can use that, though, as just like an outlet for content and like because that populates on your calendar on Canva. So I didn't realize you that you could actually link your social media to Canva and schedule out from there. Yes, but I'm pretty sure it has to be a business account because I think I I switched. Oh, my gosh. Social media is a whole nother thing that like I'm sure they teach in colleges now, but you and I didn't get we didn't know any of this. This is all hands on experience. No, we just had Hipstamatic. (laughs) I know. I'm in Facebook. Was Hipstamatic its own app or was that on Instagram? I think it was its own app and then you added it to Instagram. I regret all those pictures I took on Hipstamatic, which was its own like camera lens essentially. Mm -hmm. And I took pictures in Hipstamatic and now you can never have the originals. I regret that. (laughs) That's funny. You're the only person who would know. But um, on Instagram, you can, if you want to use trending audio, you have (laughs) – Business accounts cannot use very trending audio on Instagram reels and it is so irritating. So I want the more the trendier the audio, the higher you'll get up in the algorithm. Yeah. Right. So popular songs. So for some reason, I don't I think it's a copyright issue. I'm not sure, but you can't do it. So I changed Uh my Oh, it's so irritating, Courtney. So I changed my business Instagram, I think, to a personal one because I wanted this audio. I was it was like a Halloween one I was doing and I was very yeah. stubborn. Oh, it was last year Halloween it must, or 2 years ago. And so I did that. Then it unactivated my Canva affiliate 
and that was so complicated. Oh no. It is to put back. So I think I went back to business. But that just happens when you own a business. Like you're always going to create problems that you didn't really need. But then you figure them out and then it's a life lesson. I know. That has been the fun part of me starting this business and diving into podcasting. You just learn so much all the time and you feel like you are becoming more of an expert every day by messing things up. I mean, that's the best way to learn. A hundred percent. It's just hands-on. My, I was taught, I was told, I think by one of my bosses or my father, I don't remember now. (laughs) (laughs) I know he's basically my mentor. You can make a mistake once, but you can never make that same mistake twice. Mm. So I don't know. It's not true. I mean, you can do whatever you want, but I always (laughs) think about that. Like if you're going to make a mistake once, okay, you made the mistake, hold it, hold yourself accountable, but learn from it. You know, Mm What yeah. did I do wrong? How could I avoid this? What is this necessary? Sometimes they're, you know, they're when you're cooking, it's important to make mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Not burn a house down, but yeah. That would be a big mistake. Huge. Don't do that. I don't think you should make that one twice. No. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> well, you talked about your dad as like an advisor. Can you talk to me more about the resources that you utilize, the people, the mentors, advisors, or even resources online that you found or books that helps you to figure out how to build a business and just ways that you learned as you have been doing this? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I also did have a business, uh, in Louisiana. I had my own little farmer's market company where I sold vegan paleo sushi rolls. That's right. So I, I let the good nosh roll. This exactly. is a venture. So that goes against what I said. That was solely myself. I had mm-hmm. no help. Alan was my muscle at the farmer's market, but I did everything, shopping, budgeting. Yeah. Okay. Everything. So, but I, so I had that background. I knew how to separate finances right away. That's so important. I knew how to, you know, like invoice people, deal with customers. It was a good start. Um, what did you and need I, to invoice people? Well, I used Square. So I had like a, it wasn't, okay. I guess it was just a credit card reader. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, you'd have to put a credit card in or I'd have to like learn how to price things appropriately or I'd have to, I would do some custom, um, like catering for people. So I'd, then I'd invoice them ahead of time, like half and half. But anyways, having the right people to surround yourself and support you and motivate you is so essential. And I'm mm-hmm. so lucky that my parents, who I've always looked up to, they're both accountants. Yeah. So my father worked in a big firm for 30 years. Now he works on his own with my mom. And he's been my business mentor like from the start. And yeah. if I ever have a finance question, anything related regarding the business, I, I'll call him and I'll always joke and I say, hi, can I speak to the CFO of Pretty Easy Podcast? <laughs> and I do. And he know, but I do that. I do it jokingly to, to just be funny. But I also do that seriously because I'm like, okay, dad, like put that. I need you to put your business hat on. And he does it right away. And I'm yeah. really lucky that he can do that. And then we're kind of in a business call and we'll share screens all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he'll motivate me and he'll question me and he'll, you know, he'll do all that. Yeah. But I mean, he's your dad, but he is also kind of your acting fractional CFO. Absolutely unpaid. It's great. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> but I also help him with his projects. But yeah, no, he absolutely helps us. I do. He is just a, you know, like an advisor, I would say. Mm-hmm. He's on our board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our unofficial board. 
Mm-hmm. So has he been really your one resource that has been a business mentor? Have you learned from any other businesses or have relationships with other business owners? He really is because I just, even though he is of a different generation, I take his business advice very thoroughly. Mm-hmm. I usually, what I do is if something happens, and I'll give you an example in a second, if something happens or arises and it's like we, Alan and I need to make a decision and like, what do we know? We want to retain the client as number one. Mm-hmm. So we'll basically make the decision and then I'll call my dad as like a second advice, even though we've kind of already, I know where I'm leaning, but he just might have like a different route or a different approach or how to, you know, handle it different, a little bit differently. Yeah. So an example I'll tell you is some clients, and this is where we, I'm very lucky and thankful that it's just Alan and I, and we make everything, we decide everything on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, but like pricing. So sometimes we've had this maybe twice, two different people. They were in a hard time and they, you know, they were a client of ours for let's say 40 episodes yeah. and they were having a hard time and they voiced it to us and they were like, listen, like we, I really can't afford this right now. Like, and they were ready to like stop, do, stop doing the podcast, but mm-hmm. we really like working with them. We, they have a really good listenership. We track that. And we don't want to see people go. And so what we did was we offered like half off for them. Mm -hmm. I don't even – I don't know if I even – I think I always say like six months just to put like a timestamp on it. And like we'll reevaluate in six months, always in an email, get it in writing. Yeah. And um, yeah. And I – and then she was just so thankful. She Mm -hmm. was beyond – and it's like it's a little thing that we can do that hopefully good will come back to us. And actually this week she said – Hey, Melissa and Alan, guess what? Like, great news. I'm ready to go back to our initial pricing, which Uh, I was like shocked by that. mm -hmm. And I'm happy. And so that, and that happened with another one. They haven't gone back yet, but the next round of invoicing, they will. But yeah, it's just something that we're very fortunate to be flexible because we really, number one is like retaining clients because a lot of people, just decide to just stop doing their podcast. They just get bored or they don't, they're not Mm -hmm. into it. Life goes on. They get a new job. They, so that happened. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that creates really loyal customers. And also you talked about the importance of word of mouth and how that is really how you're getting all of your customers. And when you have that kind of deep relationship and you have helped them in that way, they're going to be so grateful and want to share your business with others. Exactly. And I think that's how we've been so fortunate to like grow how we have been. And Mm -hmm. it's been slow and steady, but it's, you know, we've been doing great and we are very friendly with our hosts Mm -hmm. and very, and that's another thing that is hard for me to draw the line of like corporate lingo versus like casual talk and email. (laughs) So Yeah, we just we really care about our shows. And Alan, like when he's recording these shows, you know, he's hanging out with these people an hour a day for, you know, once a week, every week, or sometimes they'll sometimes clients will record, you know, eight episodes in a span of like three days. That's like Mm -hmm. eight hours with someone. That's a lot. No, that's a lot. Yeah. 
And the personalized touches go a long way. I mean, being one of your clients or one of your shows, like I see it all the time where even when you send me an invoice, you're sending me a really encouraging note about the show and you're always personalizing those things that are just kind of status quo business type exchanges. Can you talk to me more about your client retention strategy and about how you do like pepper in those little thank yous and enthusiasm um, into just the everyday communication with your clients? Yeah, we're really just ourselves. So Mm -hmm. I have more of a corporate background, whereas I want to be like, looking forward to the opportunity to work together, which I still do because that's just, it's in my nature. Whereas Alan will send an email and say, no sweat. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. And I like, I honest, I'll still say stuff like you don't say no sweat in an email. And he's like, I'm human. Like we're humans. Who cares? Mm -hmm. And I, and, and I like that that's how he's trying to brand our business as just relatable people. And I think that's why the clients are sticking around. There's no method to like to retaining a client. It's very, very hard. It's whatever they want to do. I don't have contracts with people. Mm-hmm. I I don't I I probably should, but I mean a few companies I've made like statement of works because they've asked for it. Yeah. But we're I I don't know. We don't well, get I think what-, what you're saying is that you are just authentically yourselves. You are authentically you and Alan is authentically him and that builds trust and that really deepens the relationship, which is a client retention strategy. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I <laughs> guess that's what we do. So we are and we are very personable. Like I I'm not just saying like you're doing great or some people like this one why said like you're very organic and natural. Like I want people like reinforcement and I love it. Yeah. So like I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to tell them you're doing great if you're bad. <laughs> you know? And but but that's another thing like cuz Alan a lot of clients they want to know am I centered like for a video yeah. show? Am I centered? Is my lighting right? And sometimes like Alan is he's not shy like he's m- much better now. But I'm like Alan, tell them if something's wrong. Like that's mm-hmm. what, what they're paying us for, you know? Yeah. You have to be honest. So it's hard to be honest but not be rude, but he's not – we're not – you know, and they know that. So mm-hmm. they're very appreciative when – and or even like if there's like a noise in the background that you can't get out, you Alan needs to like interrupt them and say, hey, like let's just wait a minute for that train to go by or something. Yeah, that's a good point. Just honesty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you think about the future of your business, how do you plan where you're going to take Pretty Easy Podcasts? Do you have specific goals that you said or is it pretty open? Talk to me about future planning for your business. So it's, it's very open. Mm-hmm. My immediate goals are just do better than we did the year before. Okay. And in revenue, in revenue and mm-hmm. net revenue, absolutely. And I mean, I did have a goal that was to try to get two new clients a month. I okay. wanted an attainable goal. Mm-hmm. I was tracking it really well on a spreadsheet, mm-hmm. um, but you know, life got in the way and I got distracted. So I really <laughs> needed this is reminding me to get back to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was try. I was. It's really, and this is something my dad taught me. It's so important to track your progress monthly mm-hmm. so you know what to expect. Like I have everything in QuickBooks so I can easily – it's all recorded there. You mm-hmm. know, we're we're very diligent on all income 
all payments come in one place. At first, actually, it's a good point. We were taking Venmo and Zelle and, yeah. you know, a ch- oh, my gosh, people have mailed us checks. Oh my <laughs> As a nomadic business, we were getting mailed checks. And that was a fun hiccup to figure out. I yeah. had to I figured out how to, like, input the check in QuickBooks. Thanks to my dad. But it was a very, oh, my God, who sends a chat? But people do it. Is there anything that you learned kind of the hard way that you wish was maybe a little bit easier of a lesson? Yeah. So something that I've learned the hard way is, but not that hard, is pricing. It's very hard to just like, okay, here's a service. Let's price it. Okay. How do you do that? There's so many variables. We're not a big company. We don't have any overhead. We have softwares and equipment and things like that and storage space and, you know, I get podcast softwares and editing, but how do I price it? Do I do it? This was something I was like talking about. Do I do it based on time? How long it takes us to record and edit an episode and just struggling to find out the right pricing because I did try to, when we first started, like, I guess it was like four and a half years ago, four and a half years ago, there it's hard to find someone who's so similar to you, like a a two-person team with this background editing podcasts remotely. You know, there were podcast studios, there's networks, and I found some, but some are big companies. Like with us, you're also getting, you know, a real person. You're not getting a robot. You're not getting AI. So I struggled with that. And also people have told me, like, if someone doesn't like argue your which is not true but if someone doesn't argue your pricing like you're too low and that's not entirely true it could be true for some things but so that was something I dealt with and I raised my prices I was trying to raise them like a little every year but it's Mm -hmm. a big jump to raise it you know for someone paying a certain amount and then to go up even like 20 percent that's a lot but it's not a lot when you think about the podcasting rates Mm -hmm. so that's something. And it's it was hard to find something comparable. And it still is. But once I did actually like three years into it, I was like, okay, I did. I did a good job. Well, how did you come up with those initial prices? I basically did it on, okay, what's your time worth hourly? Okay. I, that's how I was like, okay, I want, I wanted like Alan to make X amount an hour based on, or, and it was very hard because I would be like, Alan, how long is it going to take you to re- edit this? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, I need to know. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, He's like, I don't know, because he he listens back some ep- some shows. He'll listen to the whole episode back and edit mm-hmm. it. Some shows they give him timestamps, so he just goes in and like you know edits where they want him to edit. Yeah, very easy. Mm-hmm. Um, some shows really don't want any editing; they just want it raw and uncut. Yeah, but then he'll add like intros and outros. So yeah, I basically just said, okay, this is an appropriate amount to make per hour, mm-hmm. and that's how I did it. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense because it's your business with your husband. You want to figure out your end. What do you want to be making and how do you turn that into an hourly rate? So it sounds like that is the kind of modeling that you did. I did. I Yeah. But then also he'll do sometimes like bigger projects. So I'll track his hours and then just do like an hourly rate. And I I itemize everything because and he'll always be like, why do you have to describe it? I'm like, Alan, when you send an invoice, you give a description of the invoice. <laughs> and he's just like, because I'm always like, well, what else did you do? Give me like, what else are we, you know, it's mm-hmm. so funny. But we work so great together. Yeah, I know. Are there any other 
tips that you have for somebody who might be thinking about starting a business? Come across as an expert in the field and mm-hmm. be in, like, do your research, know, be able to answer like most questions they have and be passionate. Number one, I take that back. Be passionate about it because you don't want to sell something or promote something that like you're not all in. You want to love what you're doing. And I know it's so cliche, but Alan really says sometimes it's not work. I'm not working. I love it. I'm not, you know, he really, and I think that too, like I, you know, I enjoy sending invoices obviously because it'll result in getting paid and I enjoy the digital like side of it and helping people with their logos and helping, you know, doing creative work. So I think just like finding something you really enjoy and that doesn't bring you down and really finding if you can and if you're fortunate enough to find a partner, not like a husband, not like a relationship partner, but like Mm -hmm. a business partner who is really on the same page as you and you can also like be comfortable arguing with them and like questioning them, but like motivating them and knowing it'll never lead to like something worse is Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm beyond lucky. And also surrounding yourself with, you know, good people that you can ask. And I mean, I ask you, Courtney, all the time. We talk about business on the side. And I love getting your input. I love people who have experience in different professions and realms and industries. And it's because you're, as I mean, as podcasters, we're dealing with all sorts of people from doctors to lawyers to, you know, lobbyists and everything. So. Yeah, I think especially in a service-based organization like this, people really hire you for your energy. Like, you know, you're never going to be the person with the most experience in this one thing. And if you do have the most experience, then you might not be the most innovative. Like there are always pros and cons to working with one person over another. But if you make somebody feel good and they enjoy spending time with you, they're going to want to work with you. And that when that passion comes across, I think, I mean, those are the people that I want to be around that i give money to to help me. I'm always looking for those experts in different areas where I don't have experience because I know that when I find those people and they give me input, it's going to make my product 10 times better than what I can do just on my own. Absolutely. That's such a good point. Um, Another funny thing, though, about being personable and just really coming off as who we are. Mm-hmm. As one of our clients, she's a doctor and she, we have multiple, so no, you won't know which one. <laughs> and Alan always welcomes her on the show and right, and she, he gives his like spiel of, uh, you know, this isn't live, like, you know, I, I'm an audience of one. And he always says, and have fun. And she just like loves that he says, have fun. It's so yeah. different for her. And I'm always listening. And he didn't say it once. And she called him out. And it's like, Alan, you forgot <laughs> to say something. And he's like, oh, oh have fun. It's so <laughs> funny that like you, you don't realize that those two words are so impactful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't think a lot of people are thinking about how it is important to have fun and to enjoy your work. Um 
especially, I mean, in the medical profession, I feel like you probably are not prioritizing fun over most other things that go into it. But yeah, yeah, it is important that you enjoy the way that you're spending your time because that's what's going to help you to have the best product and do the best work that you can and to be passionate about helping a patient potentially. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. We're just ourselves all the time and unapologetically. And it's great. (laughs) I think that's so key. Well, thank you so much for joining me again, Melissa. I love this conversation. I feel like this is so helpful. And there were so many tactical tips. And I think somebody who may be considering a business, even if it's a side gig for now, could learn a lot from this episode. So I really appreciate it. Wow. Thank you so much. That was so flattering. (laughs) Thank you. Go to unchartedcareers.com if you're interested in one-on-one career coaching or are looking to learn more about uncharted careers and my coaching approach. Thanks for listening.